we see a lot of budget being moved towards e-commerce. So companies like L'Oreal or Bayer or Johnson & Johnson can be used a new name or Halleon or Adidas. They have the key account managers that they right. need data in order to take the decisions on where to invest on the retailers. Guided by over 25 years in the data and research industry and assisting innovators with investment banking and advisory services, Seema Vasa brings you Data Gurus, a leading market research podcast that offers actionable insights for business acceleration and value creation. Join her as she speaks with key innovators in the space to bring you up to speed with the current state and the future of data analytics and data ecosystems. This is Data Gurus. Tired of market research solutions that put your project in a box? At Paradigm Sample, we approach market research support with customized and consultative solutions. Whether you need help with questionnaire design, survey programming, or online data collection, we're ready to assist. Let us know your needs, and we can customize a solution just for you. Learn more at ParadigmSample.com. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. I'm so excited that I have Panayotis Grizerlis, who is the founder and president of Convert Group. Welcome. Hello, Sima. Thanks for having me and great way to pronunciate my name. Yes, yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. If it's easier for you, you can call me Pan. It's the way okay. that most probably. Okay. Now that I said it correctly, your full name, I'll now go to Pan. Anyway, Pan, thank you for joining me today. You are based in Athens, Greece. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Cool. And I can't wait to talk a little bit about the Convert Group. But before we do that, I just would love to get a sense of your background and how you got to this point in your journey. Sure, absolutely. I've been involved into e-commerce for the better part of the last 20 years or so. Okay. And in various positions, starting startups in the e-commerce space, consulting, etc., and our company, Convert Group, was actually founded nine years ago as a consultancy for e-commerce. We were consulting brands around Europe mostly, how to pivot from retail into e-commerce. Okay. This was like, you know, having clients like Philip Morris International or Johnson & Johnson or L'Oreal. And what made us a product-led company into data as we pivoted ourselves was something that happened about four years, four to five years ago, and it started from L'Oreal, the beauty company. Yes. They asked us our advice where they can find a product, a company that can give them real-time access to e-commerce data from their basic retailers. This happens in the physical world with companies like Nielsen or IRI that are right. global companies or IQVIA. But L'Oreal wanted something more deep, something deeper, the e-commerce way meaning hmm. real data. They wanted all the KPIs you can find on the digital, like basket analytics, the performance of marketing activities, consumer journeys. So as, as their consultants, we told them that this company doesn't exist. <laughs> and um. we searched around the world from Asia to the States. They were very persistent. Wow. And Elena, who's a more of a tech entrepreneur and a tech mind and product mind, listen, we cannot tell them that this is, does not exist. Let's try and figure out something ourselves. And fast forward today, this is how our company has been formed in what we are today. We are a company that we offer real-time access to brands, to their okay. basic retailers, to enable them having a better collaboration. Our consulting era finished, uh, although I was hoping that I would be a consultant for life, <laughs> the older I would get, the wiser 
I would be. And right. we, we found this secret value behind data and real-time collaboration between retailers and brands. We found out, to our surprise, that there was a huge gap in the retail industry. Brands and retailers were not collaborating through data. Well, everything was based through sending Excel sheets back and forth. Yes. Actually, we sold our consulting business to Ernst & Young, the big four companies, right. in order yeah. to focus, to focus 100% in what we're doing today. Very exciting. And how neat is it that a client came to you with a pain point and you were able to actually fulfill it, realizing there's nobody else that truly did exactly what they wanted to do? Yeah, it's actually exactly the way it happened. I, I cannot yeah. tell you there was like a bright mind inside my head that I thought well, we should go, but it, we heard a client and I think many great companies have been created in the software as a service industry because you hear the needs of the clients. And it's a need actually, Sima, of the whole industry. The problem was that all brands need access to data and to yes. insight on what's happening on the retail industry. This has not changed over the last years and it, has, it was a very manual process. The retailers were sending Excel sheets or at the best Google Data Studio to try and manipulate or create some sort of collaboration. On the other side, the problem was that retailers have been hearing that data is all, but nobody was giving them money for data. So this problem was out there. Uh, L'Oreal was the first one that showed us the direction towards yeah. that. And today, Convert Group has 240 brands around 21 countries in Europe in numerous retailers that we support the data exchange in the way of data marketplace in the retail industry. So I wanted to ask you a question. Is because traditionally when, you know, let's say POS suppliers, IRI Nielsen, that data was very much or has been very much centered around brands working with retailers to either pick up more SKUs, to potentially figure out placement on a shelf. And in that model, the retailer probably had more power in terms of saying, yes, no, maybe so. I feel like this collaboration of data between brand and retailer has said, you know what, we're all one playing field. Let's win together. Is that a fair assessment in terms of the shift? It's a very fair assessment and very well put. Actually, how was retail business happening in the past? The retailers were not disclosing the truth of data to their, right. brands, their suppliers in order to win over negotiations, have greater leverage. But uh, as you said, retail is advancing, both mm. online and online. And the retailers have understood that being more transparent with brands, they are both able to grow faster together. And also retailers that are more transparent, they're able to win a bigger pocket of the marketing budget that brands have. Because brands mm -hmm. want to invest where they have, as I say, again, real-time access to data, right. what works and what's not. So I think this is changing very, very fast. It's industry-specific, I would say. We've seen faster penetration in those solutions in the grocery business, in the mm -hmm. uh, consumer healthcare business, in the electronics business. And I think retailers are moving into this collaborative way of doing things with suppliers. Penn, give us an idea. Let's say L'Oreal for this case, right? They're getting their real-time data from their, let's say, a particular retailer. Who's looking at that real-time data and what are they doing on a real-time basis? Like, how are they shifting? And because real-time seems overwhelming at times. I know we all have it now, but what truly is that shift in terms of tactical execution? 
the right word is tactical. Okay, mm-hmm. so everyone who wants to make the right moves and have the decision making to grow their shares in the key retailers are looking at it. It's the marketing departments, it's the business intelligence departments, it's the sales people that okay. and the key account sales people. Yes. And also we see a lot of budget being moved towards e-commerce. So companies like L'Oreal or Bayer or John or Johnson and Johnson can use a new name or Halleon or Adidas. They have the e key account managers that they right. need data in order to take the decisions on where to invest on the retailers. So it's many audiences. And interesting enough, because of the wealth of data you can find in e-commerce, right. it's not only the e-commerce specific audiences that are working with us from the brand side, also the people who work on the physical retail, mm-hmm. they get the signals from e-commerce first right. in order to make their decisions in the physical space. That's interesting. I don't want to differentiate a lot between e-commerce and physical. Mm-hmm. It's all like omni-channel now. Right. So we serve both words. E-commerce has this great access to, to data that can mm-hmm. be both transactional, basket, marketing, consumer journey that makes our work really fun to, to show good visualizations and good insights for the brands and retailers alike. And are you focused, you're focused on, as you said, omni-channel, right? It's not just... I- on the e-commerce, no, okay. it's online and offline. Yes, that's right. And offline, but okay. Started, started with e-commerce, but right. we moved quickly offering omnichannel access to brands for their retailers. And I was very surprised to see the revenue model for this for retailers and how they are able to monetize the data and also benefit financially. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, actually happy to share the real figures with your listeners. Okay. Okay. So with my co-founder and the team at Convert Group, we were wondering how much should we charge for allowing access to a wealth of information to the retailers and how much of that should we share with the retailer? Because obviously, model is a revenue share model. The money we charge towards the brands are shared with the retailer that provide us the data. Right. We heard somewhere that Amazon has been charging something in the range of 1% of Mm. the sellout they do per brand. To okay. the brand, not to access data. So an example would be if Adidas or LG make 10 million euros indicatively right. over Amazon as sellout, they should pay an annual contract of 100,000 euros to access data. So I we see. took this 1%. Okay. We get it try. And it's very interesting that it's not the maximum we have charged our customers, brands, pay us even 1.5 or 2% of their total business per retailer in order to access data. So it's a good benchmark, the 1%, to have it in mind. It can grow much bigger if you offer the actionable data and the meaningful insights for brands to immediately take decisions for what's going to happen next week to create growth. So I would say 1% to 2% is an interesting price point which creates a lucrative yes. business in the data yeah. space because imagine retailers getting 1% to 2% extra revenue on the yes. top line when retail has so thin margins. Yes. Yeah. Why we're seeing a lot of attention being given now to this industry, which is called data monetization. It creates a lot of new revenue streams and also supports more revenues like retail media. As right. I told you, you have access to data. The pockets are bigger to invest mm-hmm. on marketing. So there you have extra money pouring towards the retailer and better collaboration 
and growth with the brand. And when you say retail media, it's in-store ads potentially, it's even website targeted ads or email campaigns. It's the full span of any customer touch point. Exactly. This has been used mostly as a word for online advertising mm-hmm. at the point of sale. Right. Like brands paying for sponsor ads or for newsletters or for banners or what have you. But it's actually the same on the physical stores, mm-hmm. right? When you do advertising over there. And we've seen a huge shift towards retail media over other ways of advertising because it affects and influences the consumer at the point of purchase. Yep. So huge budgets going towards that direction. Very interesting. And going back to that 1% to 2%, the article that you shared with me from BCG, I was really surprised to see that this also translates to 40% incremental gross margin for the retailer as well. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it seems now that the big fours or the big threes are also putting some attention into this new industry called data monetization retail right. media. So BCG wrote an article a couple of weeks ago. It's actually the general managers of the Hamburg and Brussels office. They gave numbers and predictions that retail is not going to be about the box moving and the commercial revenue per se. It's going to be creating profits from the side businesses of selling marketing space, selling data, and this creates extra and sustainable revenue streams. It can create, as you say, like 20 or 30% higher profits from the very, very thin profits that retailers have at the moment. That's why the whole industry is, is moving towards that direction. And I'm very happy that we are just on the right time to, to face the new challenge. So, so let's talk about the actual tech that you've created. And if I'm a retailer or if I'm a brand, what am I doing with your software platform in terms of data? And what do you do automatically versus how much customization does a retailer brand have to do? Okay. So we are a software as a service mm-hmm. solution, which means you don't make enterprise installations that takes months and a lot of customization. Okay. The way that we create value is by starting to deliver data within weeks that we agree with the retailer. Nice. So on average, it should be like about a month agreement with the retailer that wants to monetize their data to start offering this data. And we get access to everything in real time. And we provide to the brands dashboards that they can see, first of all, their market shares. You know, people in, in the brands, they wake yes. up in the morning thinking about the market that <laughs> they competitors. So they have full transparency on what's happened with their competitors. We give them access to discoverability information, how consumers discover their products. Very important trends, retail media. Yes. Basket information, how they can locate the right personas according mm-hmm. to habits, etc. Please take into consideration, we don't use any personal data. It's only yeah. basket and shopping data that we go. And what we have been delivering over the last months that I'm very excited, first of all, is the holy grail of retail, which is incrementality. Yes. We're able to give them the extra revenue that any marketing activation regardless if it's happening online, offline, in-store, can give to their sales. Yes. So this without obviously forecasting algorithms that we can understand what's the extra, the incremental revenue be- being created. And the second that uses a lot of AI and a lot of our technology has to do with the, as we call it, sales decomposition. Brands need to know why am I losing, sir? Why mm-hmm. my SKUs are rising very fast? What happened? We have a way to draw their attention to the factors that change 
their sales over a period of time? Is it a change in behavior? Is it a change in price? Is it mm. the new launches of a competitor? So sales decomposition is very important. And that's also from your experience, Sima, you need to make these dashboards very easy for everyone to read. Yes. You don't need the, the great mind of, of an analyst. <laughs> in the, plan. the simpler we, we create it, the better it is for the brands and their people to make quick decisions and win uh, market shares in the so competitive retail industry. These yeah. are sort of information we use every month as a technology company. We're adding more and more KPIs on our platform. Very interesting. Are you seeing when you go and reach out to new retailers, what are some of the, if you will, objections or concerns they present? Yes, it's a very good question. It's a no-brainer that most retailers want to go towards data monetization for the obvious reasons of right. extra revenue, better collaboration, improving efficiencies. But they would be anxious to use a third party okay, because they have to open up all their data to us right. in, to monetize them. And I think the second objection would be, hold on, is it being so open and transparent to the industry isn't going to come against me at the mm-hmm. time of negotiations or when I'm making a joint business plan with a brand? The, the answer is no. You may lose some business with the suppliers that had another idea through the stories you have been right. saying with them. But I think transparency retailers are going ahead. Now, the, the argument of maybe I don't need to third party, but let me create myself a solution like that. Yeah, I can understand it, but I believe the industry would move into two or three big players mm-hmm. like they have been traditionally with Nielsen, IRI, NPD, sure. and yeah. company mm-hmm. that unified platforms to have access to various retailers. Hopefully, uh, our company would be one of them in the future. Yes. And what do you see for the future of retail? As I said, and I think that the Boston Consulting Group article mentioned this very well, it's not going to be about moving the product. Yeah. Retail is going to be about more experience, sharing data, selling marketing and advertising. And when it comes to our business, where we are obviously putting a lot of effort is adding more and more chat GPT type chatbot experience into not creating tables, graphs, but simple text advice from our platform to the user. You can ask the question. It's all about the prompts now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me why I'm losing market share last week yep. and which competitor did what to gain it. So this right. is what we're releasing actually on the next quarter. And we're very excited about this. Yeah, that is very exciting. It'll be interesting to see how those tools integrate into the collaboration between brands and retailers. Yeah, it's going to be great. And actually, thank you, Seema, because I've been following for your podcast and you are able to locate also companies like us who are not based in the States. Yes. We are based in a small country. In Greece. <laughs> I've been listening to your podcast that you have entrepreneurs from other sides of Europe, like the Netherlands, like Denmark, like Cyprus or other countries. So there's good talent in this side of the world. There really and, is. Yeah, and I believe the opportunities together with good venture capital money are going to be very interesting of what we can offer to to the world when it comes to data and artificial intelligence. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me. And I completely agree that over the last year, I've focused on broadening the scope of guests. And I have been so pleasantly surprised at all the innovation that exists, not just in the US, but outside of the US. And obviously your company and you are a perfect example of that. So thank you for joining me. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Data Gurus podcast brought to you by Infinity Squared. If you enjoyed this episode, 
please leave a five-star review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.